0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doing the Thing podcast. Uh, As always, I'm joined by my co-host and friend, Jason Madden. Hey, Jason. Hey, man. How's it (laughs) going? Good, man. Happy Friday to you. Yes, happy Friday. You know, I hope that all of you had the chance to listen to uh, the excellent session we did last week. And Jason talked a lot about individual leadership. Um, the be-do-no model in the military, and why more than ever it's important to be focused on that leadership acumen and developing yourself. Um, And sort of as a follow-up to that, um, we wanted to talk about how leadership extends through an organization. Um, And realizing that, it's our belief that we are leaders, whether we're leaders in our family, in church groups we may belong to, BNI groups, in a company of our own, or the company that we work for. We all have a leadership we're of state. Ourselves. Ourselves, yeah. And so last week's session was really about you and ways to enhance your leadership skill sets. Um, but today we're gonna look at um, the importance of culture um, and how results dramatically can be affected by engagement, by interactions with others, uh, by the mood of your staff, the corporate, corporate culture. And look, we're getting closer to businesses reopening, and every business, whether it's your own or a company that you work for, has some ground to make up after this pandemic, right? And we're going to be thinking about the obvious things, but are we thinking about the corporate culture that can either drive success and recapture those revenues we're looking for or drive it down? And that's what we're going to talk about today. What do you think, Jason? Sounds exciting. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, you know, I started to think about a Gallup uh, research study that was launched in 2000. And um, what they did is they took uh, employees from 18 to, I think the range was 36 years old and they went through an extensive study with them. And then they followed up every two years through 2006. Um, and what they were able to determine by percentage is that only 29% of the participants described themselves as actively engaged with their job. Conversely, 56% of the participants defined themselves as not actively engaged. Um, wow. And there's some interesting sub numbers below that. Of, of the engaged group, 59% of the engaged group said, yeah, my job gives me the opportunity to express creativity. Any guesses what the non-engaged group, how they responded?
1: Uh, they're probably bored. They're probably not having any opportunities to you know, go outside of the lines or maybe you know, put in any type of personal input on their projects.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. What percentage of the non-engaged employees do you think felt that their role allowed them to express creativity? Probably zero. Yeah. It was a little (laughs) higher than that. 3%. Oh, wow. 59% versus 3%. Um, In the engaged group, the next question was, is there a high level? Do you feel there's a high level of collaboration in your organization? 61% of the engaged group said, yes, absolutely there was. As you can imagine, a little bit lower on the disengaged, what would your guess be there?
1: probably the same probably that those low you know figures
0: yeah those low single percent. digits nine yeah. percent yeah single digits and then the, the the final thing they looked at was in the engaged group they said how many of you have meaningful relationships in the workplace how many of you have friends you, with your colleagues do you consider them friends any guesses what the percentage was on engaged versus non- engaged
1: oh I'm sure the engaged group they they're social butterflies. They've got 67% of, you know, tons of friends in, in the workplace, I'm
0: sure. Something like that. So, hi. Interesting. And you transposed the numbers. It was actually 76%, not 60 Good guess. Yeah, very good guess. Um, but 21% on the non-engaged. Um, and what the Gallup study did, it concluded in 2006, and it put a hard cost to the productivity loss of companies based on the high percentage of disengagement. Um, I can
1: only imagine the figures monetarily.
0: Yeah, well, I have them. Um, cool. And I can either share them if you, or if you want to think about it for a minute and throw a guess at me. No, let's hear it, man. Because I bet you it's higher than,
1: than what, what people would think.
0: Yeah, it, it truly is. $328 billion in lost productivity. So what is the, uh, what is the study group? What is the test group again? This was a Gallup commissioned study.
1: And and how many companies did they um did they interview
0: on this? They uh so they didn't disclose how many companies. It was a 1000 person study. So a pretty big study size.
1: Yeah, so 1000 people. I mean,
0: wow. That's a that's a huge number though. That's a huge number. And you know, so many times we as business leaders the focus on on our culture and our environment can sometimes be something we pay lip service to, or oh, sometimes yeah. it's something we care about. We just don't know how to impact that environment. So I started to dig a little bit deeper into what creates a good corporate culture. And, uh, I found an interesting MIT study. Um, and this is where the topic of my, micro interactions comes in. Um, and I know Jason with your project management background, Um, A lot of these things are going to ring very true, but surprisingly, just as wearing a mask and washing your hands are simple ways to combat the virus, it's often the very simple things that we do or don't do that dictate success. Um, So the MIT Human Dynamics Laboratory conducted a study after the Gallup study um, to start to determine, and what they were looking at is why do... So they looked at a number of teams, the teams were doing the same roles with similar backgrounds and experience, but some teams just significantly outperformed others. And they were asking the question, what are the factors that influence these top performance teams that don't exist in the smaller, in the teams that are underperforming? Hmm. Um, So here's what they did. It's kind of cool. They, you know how, um, I don't know if we still use them in today's world, but Remember those security badges you had to wear to get into a building, right? Yeah. 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 So they embedded a microchip in those security badges for the companies that they did the study on. And um, the microchip was able to record 100 data points per minute. And what it was looking for is things like nuanced things, like the tone of your voice when you talk, what is your body language? What is your energy level? And how much interaction is occurring between you and others in the organization? Um, what do you think they found? Man, 100, uh, a hundred a minute—that's
1: a lot of data to, to work through. I bet they found that, like, people are—we're emotional creatures. <laughs> they probably found some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, in those interactions. Now, they, yeah. the people that they're wearing the badges didn't even know were happening.
0: Yeah. The um, high performance teams were outperforming the non-performers by 35% across each and every KPI measure from top line revenue, effectiveness of calls, all of the metrics they were measuring 35% um, overall average uh, over performance towards the underperforming. And this was the determinant factor. The number of micro interactions in the high performance teams averages at least 12 per hour. And the higher they got above that 12, the greater their KPIs looked in comparison.
1: So let's break this down. What, what is uh, the definition of a, a micro interaction?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, companies are often geared towards putting everybody in a room and having one person speak. Maybe in that meeting, you go around the horn and let the others speak. But that's traditionally how companies gear their communication as meetings. Mm -hmm. And micro interactions are very different in that it might just be you and I bumping into each other at the coffee machine and just having a brief conversation. And it was those kinds of conversations, stopping in front of somebody's door and saying hello and asking how the weekend was, little snippets of conversations and interactions. That made all the difference in the world. And that was shocking to me. That is pretty shocking.
1: Well, I want to say shocking, very interesting because, you know, we, we, we always have that one person in the office like, oh, Karen's the social butterfly. She's always chatting with somebody, but she's probably getting a lot of work done doing that. Um, you know, so how, what do they attribute the, the micro interactions to? How do they attribute those
0: little interactions to success? So did, yeah. did, they, did they nail that down a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, it really follows on the heels of the Gallup study. And when they started to look at why certain organizations doing this very same competencies were underperforming, what they found is it was the connection between people that was missing. They were all doing the function, but their uh, emotional relationships, the culture of that environment being open, doors open, people talking to one another, increase the energy level, um, mm-hmm. increase the productivity, increase the trust, that playfulness that comes along with, you know, a lot of quick conversations with a lot of people um, determines a team's productivity, their cohesiveness. That's exactly what they found. Nice. Nice. Hey, so,
1: so the traditional sense of building a, a, a freaking team, right? You know, it's a, it's a collaborative team. So that, that's pretty cool. I like that, um, and so those that are kind of trying to bury their heads in their desks—they're, you know, they're introverted and, you know, not very—I um, guess—to uh, be nice, talkative. They're—they're <laughs> they're the ones that are suffering in performance.
0: Then? Yeah, they absolutely were, and you know, again, we're—we're we're coming closer to the end of these exceptional times, and companies are finding ways to reopen themselves and they face some deficits in that situation they need to make up for. Um, and so it's very easy to, and I think corporately often it's discouraged. These little micro interactions that we can have with one another are discouraged. It's like, hey, get back to your desk and get back to work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we could actively be discouraging the very thing that drives performance when we do that. Right. It, well, that, that goes back, that's a testament to a leadership, what
1: type of, um, what type of manager, which I think that's, that should not be an interchangeable word, manager and leadership. But, you know, that person in a leadership position, that manage is that bullpen, that office or something like that. How do they adapt their leadership to be able to facilitate that? They have a deadline. They have pressure. You know, they have things of their own that they have to deal with on the the higher level, that corporate office, that organization, whatever. How does that adaptability come in? Does the Gallup study talk
0: about that a little bit? No, you know, it's an interesting question. It doesn't, unfortunately. But, you know, I was thinking about that a little bit as you were talking. And it seems to me that leaders could probably take some steps forward towards this. The first step would be recognizing that team building is not hokey, Hokey team building is hokey, <laughs> Right? 100%. I
1: mean, I went right through
0: it. Yeah. I went through this exercise where there was a corporate executive in the music industry who had one of my salespeople stand in front of him. And he said, I want you to fall back. <laughs> I was going to ask yeah. if you did trust falls. <laughs> and it's just the stupidest thing. See, I'm there to catch you. It's just the stupidest thing. So when you as a leader when you're thinking about how do i create more interaction within my company i think it starts first with observation if Mm -hmm. 12 is the success number if every staff member interacting with another staff member at least 12 times in an hour wouldn't it be wise to to kind of do a survey to just look around um to pop into people's desks, to mention to them, hey, when's the last time you talked to Joe, Fred, Mary, Jane, right? encourage that and just kind of watch the dynamics of your organization. Are they frowning? Are they happy? Are they talking a little bit? And is it consistently going on through the day or is it dissipating at certain times? And I think based on developing that baseline, you can start to think about creative ways to instill that interaction between team members.
1: Absolutely. And, and I, I like the idea of the, the leader doing a survey, uh, just just walking around and being a personable type of guy or gal, you know, getting to know your team, seeing what they need help with, see what they're struggling with. Um, that actually goes a long way rather than sitting in your office and demanding work to be done. I had a, I was deployed in Iraq in uh 2008 or actually 2007 through nine. And I actually had a sergeant major that, that had a big, big impact on me. I actually got promoted from an E-4 to an E-6 all under his command. Whoa. And uh, he was an amazing leader in my opinion because we would be out there in the middle of nowhere in Iraq. He would bring a, a three Humvee convoy out to come see how we're doing, bring us some food, talk to all the guys individually and stuff. He wouldn't even talk to the leadership until he spoke to some of the junior guys first. He wanted to get an impression of what things actually looked like and not get the sugar coated report from, you know, the senior guys on the ground. And I, that made an impression on me because I would be out and about doing my thing with my platoon and I would see him, you know, a thousand meters away with another company or something doing the same exact thing. And he did that the entire almost year and a half that we were out there, like nonstop and tirelessly. Fantastic.
0: You know? And that that is an example of good leadership. And I, So I think in addition to the observational kind of, uh, whatever you want to call it, case study that you do within your organization, um, seeing what level of interaction is. The next thing I think to be um, sensitive to and aware of is what percentage of disengaged staff do you have? And yeah. this is a dangerous question Uh, in many company leaders minds. They don't want to encourage that dialogue. Sometimes they don't want to hear that dialogue. Um, But it it puts a drag on the company's productivity, and it affects your ability to succeed as a leader. I think it's important to take that bold step.
1: It is. And, you know, sometimes it depends on the way that you do it. Because obviously, work systems, CRMs, and things like that gives employers and leaders the ability to kind of pop in on people and their work and see how they're doing, see what they're doing. Um, it, it, almost, it can almost feel like spying mm-hmm. uh, and it can almost uh, give that impression on, on employees. So how do you address, um, you know, that, that lower interaction and that lower, you know, um, output? Yes. So, so one of the top leadership attributes is probably communication. <laughs> in my opinion, in my personal opinion, you have to be able to communicate appropriately for the situation uh, that's given to you, uh, especially with, when it comes to those that are, you know, that you're in charge of. Um, it
0: matters a lot. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, some companies that I've uh, been affiliated with in the past did anonymous surveys. And I think that's an excellent way to, um, guaranteeing people there's no there's not going to be any recourse to this yeah. you can say anything you want to but you know asking simple questions like how many times in the average hour do you talk with a co-worker even if it's a brief hello you know roughly how many times choose that right um, the other thing that it gets to and this is an interesting concept in uh, psychology and I'm always drawn to these principles. I'm always surprised that something that I think has a label attached to it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but this one's called emotional contagion. That's a new one. Yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, but you know, it's a very simple premise that you, well, at least before COVID, you saw it happen probably a hundred times a day and didn't put a label on, but it's as simple as you meet somebody and they tell you a story and they laugh. And you laugh because they're laughing. Their laugh makes you laugh. You talk to somebody who's in a tough situation, and maybe they start crying, and you can feel that, you know, tightening of your throat. Emotional contagion is a real thing, and it spreads. I hate to say like a virus, but it it we have this unconscious uh, reaction to the emotions we're surrounded by, that then affect our mood and affect our productivity. So drilling down below these micro interactions, it becomes important to understand the emotional context of those interactions. I don't think it's good to have 12 bitch sessions an hour with other employees. <laughs> no, no, those should only be done quarterly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, in that,
1: yeah, good. No, that, that makes a lot of sense because you know when you walk by somebody on the street, you smile, typically they smile back unless they're in like a really bad mood, right? Or mm-hmm. they just don't like the look of your face. So like imagine, you know, being in a workplace where everybody's, you know, not happy. They're, they're not smiling. They're not, they probably not even looking at each other in the eye they're passing each other, you know, in the hallways and stuff. Or if they are, there's going to be, you know, maybe it's that one person that they connect with. And it,
0: again, like you said, it turns into that bitch session. Yeah, precisely. So I think a um, interaction and emotional inventory of your organization becomes critically important because those people who are disengaged and they're going to exist in any company. The goal would obviously not be to have 56% of your entire staff disengaged. And I would argue that this is an old study. Things I've seen now tell me that 70% of the workforce is either actively disengaged or somewhat disengaged. That's, that's a bold number. That's yeah, you know, when we talk
1: about that in dollars and before it was $300 billion, you can only imagine what that would be right now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, one other study I looked at that I found was interesting. What if I told you that smiling could make you more money? I would totally believe you. Yeah. All right. Then forget it. I won't share this. <laughs> okay. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and it, it cracks me up how... Elaborate uh, elaborate entities, like the British government, like the Canadian government, like the French government, will take the time to study something so simple as a smile. but that's exactly what they did.: um, Good for them. <laughs> Yeah, they, um, actually, in England, in addition to their gross national product and some of those other financial metrics, they established a general well-being metric. And they found a direct correlation between their gross domestic product increases and their general well-being increases. Hmm. Um, And one of the studies they did, and I think it speaks to that um, uh, emotional contagion factor, the interaction factor as well, but it was something as simple as this. (laughs) This is actually a government doing this study, but they did it. Um, They would sit down with people And they would show them a can of Coca-Cola or whatever cola product they're showing. And, and as they're showing that they would show one of two pictures, they would show a picture of someone smiling or a picture of someone frowning. First of all, and then they were asked, you know, what price would you pay for this Coca-Cola after having seen the cola and then seen the picture of the smile or the frown? Um, First of all, What do you think the results were? I'm going to guess
1: that they were willing more for the Coke with the smile. 30% more (laughs) Coke
0: with a smile, right? Is that how they coined the term? Yeah. 30. (laughs) (laughs) Have a Coke and a smile and pay more, by the way. Yeah. 30% more is what they found. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, um, We can think about all the complex strategies in the world, but sometimes effectiveness comes down to the simple blocking and tackling of creating a corporate culture, of managing interactions in a positive way, of influencing people through positive emotions and those things. And in these stressful times, I am concerned that when we start to open companies, when our businesses come back from COVID, um, that the mood of the organization certainly would ha- have been affected by what's gone on absolutely. and you know people are struggling a little bit and unless we as organizations find ways to to show hope and and lift up spirits not only is that the right thing to do for staff members but it's absolutely the right thing to do for our companies yeah i agree and
1: you can only imagine um you know, the, the Zoom fatigue that everybody <laughs> is experiencing right now. And, you know, you, you those are never micro interactions. Those are, you know, those are meetings and, and people disengage during those. You know, like sometimes, you know, I'll be in like a networking meeting or something and somebody puts their thing on mute then they take the camera off. <laughs> Who knows yep. what the hell they're doing, right? Yep. Um, they're not getting real engagement right there. They're just looking at boring people on a screen. Um, and also like we're wearing masks all day long too. That's gotta have, that has to have trigger some type of psychological effect in us at some point. It probably is. I mean, we're not seeing facial expressions on each other. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's a benefit that we're looking in each other's eyes a little bit more. And you know, that is very telling. Um, but you know, simply not being able to see a smile that that's, that's kind of affect us a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My, um, Dear and very special niece works for a company and the company has um, I want to say three times a week, but it may actually be every day. They schedule meetings where people are just allowed to talk about their dog or whatever they <laughs> want to talk about. They're not always business meetings. Sure. The business meetings are happening, but they pay people to get on a zoom call with one another and they have Personal conversations about what's going on in the world in their life. And it's led by the corporate leadership These are the people going my niece's name is Ashley. Hey, Ashley, you got a new dog. Is that your dog? Show me your dog Oh, I took him out for a walk this weekend and he did X Y Z Oh, that's totally awesome, right? And as business leaders, we think of that as okay, we're burning the clock now Let's get back to work but we've just learned together that if we want to increase productivity we do that through human interaction. So isn't that a cool concept? That is a cool
1: concept. Actually, this is going to get us off the rails a little bit, but there's a, <laughs> there's a, new, there's a newer social media platform out there called Twine. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, no, I just wrote it down though. Like Bailing Twine, T-W-I-N-E. And, and what that does is it facilitates conversations, like real live conversations with people in 15-minute bursts. And basically it pairs you up with people – based off of your interests, like say, Hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, they have actually a list of interests. One of them was Tim Ferris topics like the, um, the, the tribe of mentors, Tim Ferris topics. Hmm. And I was actually picking through some of those topics, entrepreneurship and, and you know, starting businesses, things like that career transition. And I was actually paired with somebody um, just to have an, a deep conversation which we, we really haven't been having in the last few months. You know, yeah. if you're, if you are you know, kind of alone at home, you're not married, or even if you are married, uh, sometimes we want to talk, have those conversations with strangers that we would typically would have, you know, when yeah. you're out in the street in a grocery store, maybe you meet somebody or, um, you know, it actually facilitates that. It actually, was energizing. It felt really wow. cool to talk to somebody new and just, you know, BS around a little bit about their business and then, you know, they they connect you after the fact. You can message that person, and you can schedule times together again. It was really cool. Uh, if if anybody out there is interested in starting something or doing something like that, I highly recommend it. It's actually started by this isn't a commercial for it or anything. I was just really fascinated by it. Uh, but it was it was um, started by Diana Rao, who was the founder of the nonprofit called Veterati. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, and um, she actually sent – it's a very, very much in the startup phase, but she sent me an invite to it, and I checked it out. I was
0: pleasantly surprised. You know, interesting. So, yeah, I've been um, admittedly a little bit more distant than I want to be due to social distancing, and it took me some time, and, you know, you were an inspiration for this, but I joined a Network After Work event, and I've yes. been – signing up for them and then not showing up for as long as i can remember but <laughs> i actually went to this one A couple funny things happened um number one it was like you said very fulfilling just to talk to people and, and listen to people um i didn't get any direct referrals nor was i expecting that but i met a young lady who is in diversity and inclusion training for larger corporations mm. and Um, was able to talk to her on an aside and maybe even refer her to some organizations that I knew because I think her work is timely and important. The funny part was there was a guy on there that um, has 3d video meeting capabilities and you can reach out and touch stuff. And unfortunately I didn't want to embarrass him, but the rendering was so bad that as he's talking, like parts of his arm would disappear. (laughs) (laughs) Half his head would be, cut off at a weird angle and it's like stuff. when
1: people put those weird Zoom backgrounds on and, and they don't was, have the proper Yeah, it was experience. exactly that.
0: So, you know, I'm, I'm there with my glass of red wine at 5.30 at night and found myself not wanting to get off the call because you, you're right, I never stopped to think. We used to go to Starbucks and someone would be in line and would be like, hey, how's your day? And you'd start talking, right? Yeah, people people don't even want
1: to come near you to speak to you most of the time these days. And and they are kind of uptight around in the Northeast where I'm at. So it's even worse. Like they're yelling <laughs> at you from across the parking lot, Hey, put your mask on. It's like, man, I'm like a hundred feet away from you, you know,
0: <laughs> let alone have a good conversation with you. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, honestly I didn't really even think about all those little personal micro interactions that aren't happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all that kind of builds momentum, I think. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Um, yeah. So that's our session for today. And, You know, I hope that, uh, and and again, Jason, you did an amazing job last week talking about personal leadership. And I think this is the natural and next extension to personal leadership is how we impact and how we build good corporate cultures. And I have a saying, and I say it to myself because God knows I make more mistakes than most people. Every day is a new day on the playground. All you got to do is buy a new set of marbles and come out and say, hey, do you want to play with me? and people will play with you right and absolutely. no matter what your corporate culture looked like before the pandemic it's a new day on the playground when you come back absolutely we it's never too late to self-correct yep yeah i mean until you know that that day when you you know transition to whatever you believe you transition to every day before then is a new opportunity to recreate yourself and your company 100 percent, man percent. well said Awesome. That's it for today, everybody. We thank you for joining. Please share. If you got something out of it, tell other people to join us and come back and see us next week.
1: Yep. See you all there. All right. Thanks, man.